This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Damian Williams trying to get to the edge, breaks a tackle, 35, 30, Damian Williams, 20, stays in bounds, 15, 10, 5, touchdown, Kansas City! And the snap goes high over the head of Big Ben, all the way back to the 2, to the 1, and the Browns have it in the end zone, and they dive on the ball and recover it for a touchdown! Carl Joseph's got it in the end zone, a touchdown! Derek looks left, Derek going to throw for the end zone, Come! it is caught! Welcome to the rest stop. It's April 6th on a Tuesday. We come to you every Tuesday and Thursday, 9 o'clock, 9 to 10 o'clock Pacific time on www.twitch.tv slash Chris Landry Football and then at Brad the Believer on Twitter, Brad Restituto on Facebook. Got a good show for you tonight. Uh, Going to go over the Final Four and the NCAA Championship game from last night as Baylor has crowned the 2021 NCAA Men's Basketball National champions taking down Gonzaga last night and ending Gonzaga's undefeated record going into the game. Gonzaga finishes the season at 31-1, and so we'll talk about that game from last night. We'll hit the NBA scoreboard and talk about some of the highlights as we only got about 20 games left in the regular season. And then, of course, the new playoff structure in the NBA that was rolled out in the bubble last year. So we'll talk about some of the teams possibly on the brink of that play-in game. And we also have some NFL news as the NFL draft is uh, less than a month away or right around a month away. So some more trades in the top 10 and some prospects uh, looking to be a very strong draft in the NFL. So we'll talk about some of the players in the draft, the big trade that happened with Sam Darnold now moving on from the New York Jets, and he will be taking snaps under center from the Carolina Panthers. So we'll talk about some of that. Spencer Ostrowski joins me as always. You can follow him on Twitter at SpencerTheWiz. And also Brad the Believer on Instagram, on Twitter, and also give a like and subscribe to the YouTube channel, Brad the Believer. Spence, let's get right into the NBA tonight. A few games on the scoreboard, and we'll get into some of the highlights. One game going on. I'm sorry, two games still going on. Uh, one of them's kind of a blowout. The other one fairly close. End of three quarters. 
in San Francisco, the second half of the TNT game. The Warriors, they're down to the Milwaukee Bucks. The, Bo- the Bucks are without Giannis Antetokounmpo tonight, but the Bucks lead after three quarters, 89-83. About nine minutes left in the fourth quarter at Staples. The Clippers, they lead the Trailblazers 110-98. to Paul George has 34 points up to this point in that matchup. The rest of the game is final from earlier. Uh, the Bulls get a nice win tonight. Nick Vujicic had 32 points, 17 rebounds, fills the stat sheet for the Bulls, uh, taking over in his probably about his second week as a Bull, coming over in the Orlando Magic trade. The Pacers fall five games under 500 with the loss tonight. The Hawks, they go three games over 500. They get a 123-107 win over the Pelicans and the Pelicans. They have their their moments. Zion Williamson, when he's in the lineup, is outstanding. But a team that's six games below 500 with all this talent and expectations is unacceptable. So we'll see how this team looks a year from now. Probably a lot of moving pieces within the Pelicans organization to get them on track, especially when you're more talented than most of the teams. Um, you know, from top to bottom, definitely in the Eastern Conference, they're more talented. The West is a little more difficult, but there's no reason – the Pelicans shouldn't be vying for a playoff spot, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen this year. Uh, a final in Boston, the Celtics fall to the Sixers. The Philadelphia 76ers win 106-96 tonight. Joel Embiid had, thir- Embiid had 35 points in the win for Philadelphia. The Lakers get another win. They've been kind of hot here as of late. They're 32-19 and on the season. No Anthony Do- Davis, no LeBron James. Marcus Gasol been in talks about not getting a lot of minutes lately. He has 13 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists in the win tonight as the Lakers beat the Raptors 110-101. to The Grizzlies get a nice win in their two games above 525-23 on the season. The Grizzlies beat the Heat 124-112. Dylan Brooks had 28 points for Memphis tonight. And then the other one that's final, the Nuggets. They've won 15 out of 18 since the trades that brought over Aaron Gordon and sent some other guys away. The Nuggets are starting to play really good basketball coming into playoff time. They beat the Pistons tonight 134-119. Spence, before we talk about the Final Four and the National uh, Basketball, College Basketball Championship game from last night, let's talk about some of those highlights of the games we just talked about. Yeah, so there's actually uh, quite a few storylines here. And the first one, and I guess will be the biggest of the night, that's the Hawks' broken NBA record today. In the third quarter, they hit 11 straight threes. That's never been done before. Take a look. I mean, they, they're moving the ball around, and they have, just have so many shooters on their team. One of the most intriguing young teams in the NBA, sure. Let it fly. If it don't apply, let it fly. Gallo got in on the act. Red Velvet said, yeah, I want some of that. And then Bowie got in on I'm telling you, this was crazy to watch. At a certain point, I was like, wait, something's happening here. Trey came in from the logo. He said, anything y'all can do, I can do better. He got the roll. This one was beautiful. Red Velvet came back in. I'm telling you, this was wild. That's the second logo three from Trey. Uh, so, yeah, pretty impressive. That's an incredible number, Spence. 19 to 24 from three. Was that for the entire game? Uh, to that point, I think those were the highlights after the third quarter when they broke the record. So I'm not sure what they ended with, but yeah, they're just making it happen. And uh, I'd say this every so, so I won't, but I'm just talking about the Atlanta coach, obviously, how what how, what he got out of that Pacers team who was now struggling. And you just see he's just carrying that same attitude over. He's such a good coach. He understands the fundamentals of the game. He's able to connect with young players and development wise. Think about DeMontis Sabonis during the time he was there. Uh, but I regress on that one. Close to another record in another game, that Memphis game you're talking about. Dylan Brooks scored 23 in, uh, I think it was the third quarter as well. Uh, the record actually belongs to Jaron Jackson Jr. He had 26 last year. 
take a look. Uh, I think this is just one basket from Dylan Brooks. I'm very impressive night. Big win. I had criticized the guy a lot. Third on Dylan. You know, when, when Dylan is feeling it. And right now, he is feeling it on the offense. Yeah, and we were actually talking about Memphis before the start. I'm from Memphis, Tennessee, so I have a little bit more of an allegiance to them. But they're churning heads of the season. I mean, you have the second youngest team behind the Timberwolves. But look how drastically different the situations are. Despite the fact that Carl Anthony Towns is objectively better than anybody on Memphis, in my opinion. The guy is a top 10 player, arguably, in the league. And, you know, John Morant's just not there. John Moran is actually in a very unique situation. I don't think we've ever seen in the NBA before a guy to buy into team culture before he ever touched he ever touched a foot on the court. I mean, he's not about stats. He'll have he has 30 point nights, but on a regular basis, most guys are scoring more than him. Most guys have more assists than him. Uh, you would like to see him be more aggressive at some points, but clearly it's worked out quite well. And this and that is happening without a full season with Jaron Jackson. He's been sitting on the sidelines. Supposed to come back early this season after the torn meniscus around the same time as Justice Winslow. And now we're getting towards the end of the season. Maybe they could use him for one of those playing games. Obviously, that would be great timing for the team. But nonetheless, I think they're either in the A seed or buying for that buy-in or that uh, play-in spot, which they are in now. Get, making it happen against quality wins. They beat the Timberwolves after the All-Star break. They're not going to write home about that. But they did have to play the Utah Jazz three times in five nights. And then after that, they've recovered. They've beaten the 76ers and now Miami. Through all, all the odds, Memphis is making it happen. And it's really cool to see. They've really kind of taken on the grit and grind a little bit, I guess the soul of it. But they've gotten rid of the old style of gameplay. And they're a much faster team getting it done on defense. I can talk about Memphis for probably 50,000 hours, but you get the point. <laughs> Spence, before you get to the rest of the highlights, I've got to tell you about uh, my – we're talking about record-setting performances tonight in the NBA. I've got to tell you about my record-setting performance in my pickup game today. Okay, so I've got to pat myself on the back because I, I may retire after this one. It was, it was so cool. So you know how on Tuesdays we usually get the morning pickup games a lot of times since this pandemic over at the Tark. Jim. So we had that again today. It was the last game of the day, Spence. And uh, my shot, I had hit a few, but it just wasn't on for the most part. Uh, well, the last game of the day, it, it started coming on a little bit. So I scored uh, the first nine points from three for our team in the games. We score them twos and threes up to 21. So then I took another three, Spence, and I could tell it was off. So I followed my shot right away, grabbed the rebound, laid it back in. So ended up scoring 11 of the first points. Uh, and then I contested a shot, ran out on a break, scored another bucket, uh, scored a bucket down low against uh, kind of old man Jeff. I know you remember. I think you remember, yeah, Jeff. I I remember Jeff. And then so they were lining me up for the game-winning shot. I got it kind of on the wing within the two, uh, faked the pass, faked the shot, faked the pass, then took the shot and hit it. So we won the game 21-15, Spence, and I scored 17 of the 21 points for the team. And uh, that was that, that. That rarely happens for anybody, much less uh, an old man like myself. So that was pretty cool. And I, I'm almost considering retiring after that performance because it doesn't get much better. I've been playing in some of the league games here uh, the last couple of weeks since they started them back up, and I just can't get rolling too much in those games. Uh, we played one yesterday. I just couldn't get my shot to fall. Um, and I kind of corrected it towards the last game. I realized like my shot wasn't getting released high enough. So I tried to correct that as we were going and my all three of my four threes fell in the last game and it was pretty cool so that was my memorable performance in the pickup game today 
adding on to the NBA talk this afternoon. And I'm trying to get you out here, Spence, to Vegas yeah. to put together a little rest stop uh, combine. I'm trying to get Al Baston from the chat, Brian oh, Bravo God. on, so we can film some of this and maybe replicate the Justin Fields throw of rolling to the left and throwing the deep ball into the end zone and getting the uh, honest grade from Spencer the Wiz. We'll see if we can get these jabronis out to participate uh, and hopefully have that happen tomorrow and maybe a little film from that on uh, Thursday's show. So we'll see if we can get Al Baston, Brian Bravo, and some of the guys here in Vegas out. Uh, Spence, I, I believe, will be in town or is in town. So that would be cool to see if we can make that happen uh, tomorrow. So we'll see. We'll kind of play it by ear and see how many people we can get uh, to come through with that. Spence, uh, continue with the, the, the rest of the NBA highlights tonight. A few other games of importance uh, in the association on the hardwood. Yeah, but I, I just wanted to say that that is the beauty of basketball is that every day is a challenge with yourself. And, you know, sometimes you just cannot hit anything despite feeling really confident maybe going into that day. There's always going to be those times where you're just above it and you just play like the basketball gods just strike down upon you. It's uh, strange how that happens. Yeah. Well, just really quickly, when I was in the guard one time, we all went yeah. out like a company day or whatever, and we played basketball. And I had a very similar outing, but it was like a small crowd because the whole company was there. And it was just, I felt famous for like five minutes. Like hit, I couldn't miss. And like, you know, there was a gathering of like probably 20 people and they were cheering and everything like that. So I kind of felt what it was like to be an NBA player on a microscope. It was really <laughs> you got to love it. Spence that's the great thing about basketball too, is that anybody can get hot at any moment. But uh, yeah, uh, moving on, uh, speaking of getting hot, uh, Zach Levine and the Bulls, you know, they, they went on, I think, a three to four game losing streak following the trade for Vucevic. And besides the fact that I don't think it's do or die for them to make the playoffs this year, I know most people do view it as that, but they're, I think they're on a three game winning streak. Now they're clicking on all cylinders and they're blowing teams out, including the Indiana Pacers tonight. And Zach Levine is just doing his things. First time all-star and take a look at this dunk. It's pretty nasty. He's so much more comfortable. Another pass. Oh! Oh! Assist from Young and the hammer from Levine. Out of there quick. Who that got dumped on? Oh, sorry about that. They, uh, the, the Bulls banked a lot on that Vucevic trade, giving up, I think, three first-rounders or two, even if it is that. One of them is very far down the line, but, of course, it'll end up, you know, stink. it'll catch up to them uh, one day. I'm not sure if that's a championship-level move. I don't really know if it moves the needle for them that far. But, you know, I think for a Bulls organization that is really hungry to go back to the playoffs, especially after those successful years with Derrick Rose, it's not like they've been bad ever since Michael Jordan left. They have had times of success and if it not this year, I think they'll at least make the play-in game. Moving forward, you can expect them to be maybe a four or five seed in the East just because of how weak it is. I mean, for goodness sake, the Atlanta Hawks are the four seed, and we all know how bad they are defensively. Uh, and for the Pacers, it's just a free fall right now under new head coach. I got Karis LeVert, which is exciting. They haven't been able to stay healthy, and uh, I, I bet against them quite frequently now, and it's usually a safe bet. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what's up with the Pacers, Spence. They're they're having a hard time with it right now, which is unfortunate because they've got a lot of talent, or you would think they had a lot of talent, but it's just not able to put it all together. Any other highlights from the night, Spence? Yeah, just uh, just a couple more. The Lakers, uh, you know, this play I think just exemplifies because everyone, the big narrative around it is that they're going to fall and potentially have to play in a play-in game. Uh, but they've shown that that might not be the case. Take a look at, you know, some of the effort plays here from Caruso and crew. Some guy I never even heard of, I think his name is like, cacao he, he just slams it down he's going to be very effective 
That one goes off the foot. Oh, diving is Caruso. Here comes Kaycock to score. What a highlight play that is for Caruso. Sacrificing the body, getting the assist, and getting the Lakers two more on a 12-2 run in the last couple of minutes. Fun, entertaining Laker basketball so far. Yeah, so uh, the Lakers are getting it done despite all of the trials and tribulations. Hasn't been perfect. They actually started off quite bad. But like anything, when you have a major injury to your best player, uh, it takes time to adjust. Just one more highlight from today's action it was uh, the 76ers game. They blew out the Pistons, uh, you know, are the, excuse me, they didn't blow them out. But, uh, you know, Harris and Simmons, they always get a bunch of beef. Harris not as much because everyone thinks he should have been an all-star. But Ben Simmons, of course, is taking a huge brunt force of uh, people saying that he's bad uh, this season now more than ever. But he's one of the best defensive players in the NBA. There's no denying that. And take a look at this little fast break. Luke Cornett could not get out of bounds so fast enough. He wanted to inbounds that thing, and he didn't want any part of that dunk. Oh boy, who wants it here? Three on one. Harris slamming for two. Well done by Simmons. Yeah, so those are the uh, NBA highlights tonight. Pretty pretty good day in the association. That's Spencer the Wiz. Follow him on Twitter at Spencer the Wiz. I'm Brad Restituto. You can see the rest up every Tuesday and Thursday, 9 to 10 o'clock Pacific time. Spence, let's, uh, let's talk about college basketball and the game last night, of course, had the Baylor Bears holding up the trophy as the college basketball national champions, taking care of Gonzaga and eliminating them uh, from the tournament and the championship game and then putting the blemish on them as their first loss of the season. Their record 31-1 and on the season. Baylor finishes off at 28-2. and Before we talk about last night's game, let's talk about the Final Four because it happened over the weekend before our last show, and which was a class expense. In the game between Gonzaga and UCLA, Gonzaga, the first overall seed, took on UCLA, the 11th seed. Gonzaga won in overtime, 93-90. And, of course, if you're a sports fan at all whatsoever, you saw um, Johnny Jazang, he had 29 points in the loss, but came down, missed a shot, followed his shot, laid it up and in to tie the game at 90. And then with under five seconds left, Spence, uh, Jalen Suggs took the ball past half court hit the game-winning three, banked off the glass, and sent Gonzaga to the championship game, 93-90. Do you have a chance to see any of that game? It was one of the best college basketball games a lot of people have seen in quite some time, uh, sending Gonzaga to the championship. Yeah, absolutely. And I was uh, glued to the television. There was a time where I was like, yeah, you know, Gonzaga will probably win, especially when they took a little early lead in the second half. You're like, all right, here it comes. They're going to start blowing them out. Of course, that never happens, and uh, I'm glad I did stick around to watch the game. To me, that game, and I've been talking about this on a few other shows, is was the first real game that felt normal again. Now, there was not a big crowd. There's only a few people. But I would just say the excitement around it, like people, the buzz. Because you can go back. I mean, the Stanley Cup playoffs, obviously, there was no fans, period. So it was, it felt a little dry. And even the Super Bowl, which was should have been the most hyped Super Bowl of all time. Tom Brady at his age, fighting through basically every Hall of Fame quarterback that people have ever accused of being better than him now cultivates during this, you know, big matchup against Patrick Mahomes, who people say is the new GOAT and he wins that. But even there, it, it didn't feel quite as normal as a regular Super Bowl. And maybe this game didn't start out, but I would say as the game, just how good it was, got people really excited and talking. And it's nice to know that, you know, we the pandemic finally is subsiding and there, there is a little bit of hope on the other side. You know, during the middle of it, I would say six months in, everyone's like, are we ever going to go back to any sort of normalcy? kind of this overreaction, I think, quite a bit. 
And, uh, you know, now people obviously are having much different opinions. I got my vaccine today. It opened up for all Nevadans. And uh, hopefully, you know, in the next couple of months, we can start dropping some of these mask mandates. And uh, not that I'm like an anti-mask or anything like that, but you know what I mean? No one wants to wear a mask forever. And no, absolutely not to be open. You know, you like even if you are like a hardcore Republican and st- or a liberal or, you know, whatever case may be, I think everybody wants to go back to being able to go to the movies, go to restaurants without all the uh, hubbubaloo. And this, I think this game kind of exemplified that next turning point for us as a country to where, uh, you know, we can feel happy about these kinds of things. Couldn't agree with you more, Spence. We're all looking forward to it. And it's good news to know that uh, you mentioned today that now the vaccine is open to get for everybody. So I'll be lining up uh, hopefully here soon to get mine as well. And I, I believe I heard a statistic that over 40% of the United States is now vaccine. So hopefully that's true and we're moving closer to that direction. And that's got to make everybody feel good about moving closer to start lifting that mask mandate. And of course, some people are still going to wear masks regardless, and that's perfectly their right. But there's no reason that us that want to not have it on 24-7 or every time we're out in public shouldn't be able to have that liberty as well. So looking forward to that happening, not only here in Nevada, but everywhere else across the United States. Spence, the other final four games saw the Baylor Bears take on the second seed, Houston Cougars, and and Baylor uh, pretty much was in in control of that one. They outscored Houston 45-20 in the first half. They ended up winning 78-59. Baylor looked great in the final four and, of course, moved on to the championship game, Spence. And we'll talk about that championship game, which was last night. And Baylor, I believe the first team since 2014 to lead a championship game wire to wire. Jared Butler, the guard, led the way for Baylor with 22 points, 7 assists. Baylor got the win 86-70, outscoring Gonzaga 47-37 in the first half and 39-33 in the second half. And it's hard to really knock Gonzaga, Spence, if you watch this game last night, because right from the tip, Baylor was just on fire. They shot 10 of 23 from three of the game, 43.5%. They were forty, almost 45% from the field. They were 16 of 18 from the free throw line, 89%. They were just on point and knocking down tough shots and playing fantastic defense from wire to wire. And I don't know that it was necessarily – did Gonzaga play their best game? Of course not. But Baylor was absolutely focused and dialed into this game and played with complete confidence and dominated the basketball game. And I've heard a lot of people on social media today talk about Gonzaga's soft road to the final, their soft schedule in the West Coast Conference, which may be true, maybe a weak conference, but you can't take away how good and consistent Gonzaga has been all year. They've won almost every game by double digits. So to say that they didn't deserve to be here or with some type of joke, that's just nonsense. It's it's nonsense. It's not giving Gonzaga credit for being what they were. I mean, who else would you replace them with, Spence? I mean, Houston beat a bunch of double-digit seeds to get to the Final Four. Are you going to knock them for that? Gonzaga blasted whoever was in front of them. Don't name, name me another team that could have replaced Gonzaga based on their schedule. Oh, if they would have been seeded differently, they wouldn't have been there. Who would have been there? Okay, who blew you away in the tournament? Oral Roberts was a 15 and freaking got to the Sweet 16. Okay, almost to the Elite Eight. So if you see Gonzaga differently, or if you give them a tougher schedule, say they have two or three losses on the season, they're still probably a top three seed. I mean, they're not going to be a seven or eight. Come on. I mean, it's just a joke. Gonzaga's going to be there regardless of what conference they played in. They probably would have – maybe they have one or two losses if they had – a few tougher games, but that's not even for certain. 
Baylor played their best game of the year and the most important spot of the year, the title game. They were excellent last night from top to bottom. Uh, unheralded senior Mark Vital had eight offensive rebounds, I believe 11 on the game. He was awesome on the offensive boards. Davion Mitchell has been fantastic getting to the basket. Um, I mean, Flagler, Butler, they're, they're knocking down shots consistently. They were playing great contest defense. They closed out on the three-point shot so well last night. They were making everything diff difficult for Gonzaga. They deserve to win the game. They played their best game in the key moment, and you got to tip their cap to them. Yeah, so you can point to a few things, right? Like uh, offensive rebounding was quite a big disparity. Gonzaga, you know, probably lost a good 10 points that way in the point differential. But it was just so much more than that. I mean, that's just the nature of basketball where anybody can beat anyone any night. Not to say that Baylor couldn't beat them, you know, if they had faced it in the regular season like they were supposed to. It's just like when, when your team is hot shooting, I don't think Gonzaga did a bad job of closing out or, you know, people also forget and you talk about how quality that Gonzaga team is. They're going to have three players go in the first round next year. And I'm not even talking about Timmy, who was probably their best player in the tournament this entire time. Right. They had the roster to go deep and there was no one else, especially with no crowd. When you're playing these lower seeds and there's no crowd, I mean, that's just advantage you. You're just playing pure talent on pure talent. Everybody loves the underdog, right? Now, when like when lower seeds are facing other, other seeds, like most of the people in those crowds don't even know who these guys are. But of course, when you see the underdogs fighting so well, you're going to cheer for them. And that might actually give them an extra boost. And Gonzaga probably would have lost that game against UCLA if it was a full stadium. But the point I'm trying to make here is that Baylor just had it all working for them. And I don't think there's anything Gonzaga could have necessarily have done. You can't execute that perfectly, but maybe once or twice a season. And for you and me, probably once or twice a lifetime to uh, be just that on point. The basketball guys shined on them. They actually had a great game plan in place to stop them. Gonzaga excels so well in the open court and they didn't turn the ball over, but like a few times, I think in the first half. And that also just kind of shut the door for any chance for Gonzaga to come back. And they continued it in the second half. It was not a fluke, obviously at all. The ability to get the offensive rebound, go up on the glass, or just to make an outside shot. Whenever the game got a little too uncomfortable, it didn't matter. They, they found the answer. Spence, you talked about some of the Gonzaga players looking to go high in the draft. Talk about what you saw from some of the Baylor guys last night. They were outstanding, not only giving head coach Scott Drew tons of credit, but giving this Baylor lineup top to bottom credit. They just played such a great game last night. They were on point during the Final Four. Uh, they blew out Houston. They took care of Gonzaga wire to wire. Talk about what you saw from some of the, the Baylor players last night and throughout the Final Four. Yeah, and surprisingly, a lot of these guys are projecting to go in the second round right now, but you can't always trust scouting reports, and I haven't done my full scouting either, but I would say the funniest thing or the most notable thing about how their performances, because I have not seen a lot of Baylor games this season, obviously, um, is that Mitchell plays a lot like Donovan Mitchell, who happens to also be number 45, a very athletic guard who will develop, I think, his shot. You know, he killed it in the national game, but I don't think those were his season averages. He was playing well above where he's used to, but a high potential athletic guard is very similar to what Donovan Mitchell was when he came out of the draft. He was taken 11th overall. He wasn't even a top 10 pick. And I'm not sure if he'll move up that far. Uh, and the other kid I think is actually just a little too small, despite there's always going to be room for effort players, but you always have to think about that size transition. Like, yep. If you were to watch Gonzaga during this tournament, you would think that Timmy would be a top 10 pick in the draft because of how good he is in the post. Reality is, He's like DeMontis Sabonis, but he has he's the size of a three, and you can't really play a guy who plays in the post of that position. So 
You also have to contextualize everything you see in the tournament because the game is, you know, slightly different than that. But, you know, I, I think probably Mitchell will be the number one guy from Baylor who will have a career in the NBA if he continues to work on his craft. So uh, Timmy's listed about 6'10", Spence. Is he even that tall? Uh, yeah, I, I know, know, right? <laughs> Someone prove he's 6'10". To me. I mean, if, if he if he is 6'10", does he, does he have a chance to go uh, in the league and, and be a contributor? I think uh, he won't... I, he could go in the second round. I think he'll spend a lot of time in the G League or he could be a lifer in Europe if he wanted to make more money. So I guess it kind of depends on if he does believe he can make it in the NBA or I think he's a junior or a senior. He may come back for another season, a four year veteran, you know, who doesn't really have the ability to do anything but be in the post, although he is a great passer as well. Again, very much like a young Sabonis. Uh, maybe the OKC Thunder will draft him like they did Sabonis all that time ago or the Pacers will be looking kind of have that opposite on the other end you know what and the more I say it the more I think it's likely because I don't think he's declared yet he'll probably go somewhere uh maybe not in the first round but the second and uh he'll have every chance in the world to be successful we know that this has been the resurgence of the big man especially one that has passing IQ like he does and the kind of the ability to run the offense not as much as Jokic but still he understood the system at Gonzaga and you know carried it forward for them and they lose that UCLA game very badly unless he was there. Well, Gonzaga has a chance to get back next year. Mark Few is a great coach. Julian Strother, the Las Vegas kid, only a freshman this year, will be more prominent in next year's squad. AIE, a couple other guys, Cook, uh, should be back. Suggs will probably enter the draft. But they lose Kispert and Timmy, seniors. Um, But they'll be reloaded next year, Spence, and and will be in the conversation in the tournament you know, God willing, everything goes according to plan. Let's before we wrap up the college basketball talk, let's quickly talk about how the NCAA did as a whole pulling off this tournament. Spence um, again in the Indianapolis bubble type setting, they did a really, a really fine job pulling everything off, getting the fans, getting the players, the universities, uh, the March Madness, the college basketball tournament tournament it completed without many hiccups, and you, you've got it kind of give a round of applause to college basketball for, for pulling this off and doing a solid job and getting the product not only back on the court, but back on the TV sets for the fans. Yeah, without a doubt, there was only one game canceled because of COVID, although some would argue they may have fumbled it because it was in the first round and there were some teams kind of on standby for whatever reason it didn't work out. But other than that, I mean, I'm impressed. I thought it could have easily have fallen apart very quickly. A lot of college-age kids in the same city, but, you know, the advantage is that it was in Indianapolis, maybe not the biggest party town in existence. Uh, so I think location was really important as well. The Atlanta for the All-Star game for the NBA could have been an absolute disaster, in my opinion, and probably really close to was to being one. Uh, but, yeah, no, it's it's nice. So they, they ran it smoothly. And there was at one point where we f- forgot about COVID-19 just in general. I like the way just in basketball, I think they have a some sort of advantage because of camera angles. You can kind of just keep it on the court. So. When you're watching football games in the background, you can see that the stadium's empty and it kind of is a little depressing to see. Uh, but, you know, they had great presentation, great coverage over it. I would think nothing. Uh, they got big names like Charles Barkley, which, you know, they do every year. So everything was par for the course. Everything looked good. And it was a good product. There are a lot of good games in this year's tournament. That's Spencer the Wiz. Follow him on Twitter at Spencer the Wiz. Follow me on Twitter at Brad the Believer. The rest stop every Tuesday and Thursday at live 9 to 10 o'clock Pacific time. Spence, before we get into some of the NBA draft, Major League Baseball starting to get its second week in stride. So I'll briefly go over some of the scoreboard tonight if you had any bets on the games and you can check out uh, some of the scores. I'll go over some of them for you real quick. Uh, the Dodgers, they moved to 5-1 and one on the season. They beat the Athletics. The Athletics have yet to get a win. 
on the season. Clayton Kershaw gets his first one of the season. The Dodgers beat Oakland five to one tonight. Uh, the Rangers they moved to two and three on the year. They win in comeback fashion over the Blue Jays seven to four. That's a final from earlier. Uh, Tanner Rourke the loss for the Blue Jays. Uh, the Cubs they get shut out by the Brewers four to nothing at Wrigley Field. That was from earlier today. The the Red Sox they come back in late innings and they beat the Tampa Bay Rays to get their second win on the season. This one was a final in twelve innings six to five. The Red Sox beat the Tampa Bay Rays. The Mets finally get on the field after some COVID situations. Marcus Stroman gets the win for the Mets today. They beat the Phillies 8-4. to four. Uh, The Marlins, they lose. They're 1-4 on the season. The Cardinals get the win as they score uh, after the fifth inning in that game, and they went 4-2 to two over the Marlins. Alcantara, uh, the, the young stud for the Marlins, uh, falls to 0-1. He had a no decision against Tampa Bay in his first opening day outing of the season. The Reds, they hammer the Pirates today 14-1. to one. That's a final. The Reds move to 4-1 and one on the season. The Yankees move to 3-2. and two. They beat the Orioles 7-2. to two. Garrett Cole gets the win for the Yankees. The Astros played great baseball this year, Spence. And I know you had a little bit of an Astros story. So while we're on baseball, maybe uh, we can get to that a little bit. But the Astros move to 5-1 and one on the season. They get a 4-2 win over the Angels. The Nationals, they win 6-5 to five over the Braves. The Braves, 0-4, have not got a win yet on the season. A final in 10 innings in Detroit. The Tigers, they get a win over the Twins 4-3. to three. Game still going on. Bottom seven in San Diego. The Padres lead the Giants three to one. Bottom six in Seattle. The Mariners, they're losing to the White Sox five to three. And then one more game in progress. It's bottom of the ninth. And the Diamondbacks are leading the Rockies five to four. And there's one out in that one. So the Diamondbacks are looking to hold on and move to two and three on the season. So that's the Major League Baseball scoreboard for Tuesday night, April 6th. Spence. Uh, you had a little bit of baseball news, so uh, if you care to get to some of that now. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's kind of a small story, but it was kind of shocking to me as well. So if you guys don't know, every team that the uh, Astros have been play, playing, because now there's crowds at most stadiums at, on some capacity, they booed them. And now it's gotten to the point where people are throwing trash cans, fake inflatable trash cans and real trash cans onto the field, I guess, in a little bit of a protest. And when Dusty Baker kind of made some comments about that today, and th- this is what he said, uh, you, you can tell the amount of hostility and the amount of hatred in the stands, which of course, and he also goes on to say this, this is mind blowing. I don't know how this isn't major news. How many in the stands have never done anything wrong in their life? We paid the price for it. How many people have not cheated on a test or whatever at some point in time? I mean, it's easy if you live in a glass house, but I don't think anybody lives in a glass house. That statement to me is atrocious. First of all, because most of the players on those teams still deny ever wrongdoing. So Dusty just comes out and just ends that right there. He's like, everybody cheated. We all know it. Altuve included. When you say a statement like that, you're admitting to it. And also to just downplay it and to say that you paid a price. What price? Almost going to the World Series last year and keeping your World Series the one that you won. You didn't pay a price. Are you telling me that a, an MLB draft, which is like, 17,000 rounds long, losing two picks, really paying the price for cheating in the World Series. That is so the the statement is just wrong on so many levels. I don't know if I'm overreacting to it, but when I read that, I I had to take a double take because it didn't seem real. Spence, I I tend to agree with you. He's very dismissive about what happened, you know, kind of deflecting instead of taking ownership and making a big deal out of it and kind of drawing more attention to the negative side of it, as opposed to trying to put it behind you. So he may have been better off saying nothing at all, Spence. Yeah. Just say, uh, I get it, but uh, that's not who we are now. And you move forward. 
and said, you're like, yeah, we cheated really badly. Have you guys cheated? We were pointing the fingers back at us. We didn't force you to put wires and do all these trash can things to call pitches. Come on, dude, have a little bit of sensibility about you. Wow. Yeah, that's 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 incredible. Uh, I, I'm a little surprised, as you said, Spence, that he went ahead and took that approach to addressing it. I don't know if it was the uh, the wisest thing to do to bring more attention to that in a negative capacity, especially since you're trying to put that behind you. And the Astros are playing decent ball to begin uh, the season here. Oh, the game is not over in Colorado as uh, Hilliard just homered for the Rockies to tie the game in the bottom of the ninth with two outs. Homer to right field. The Rockies tie the game uh, against the Diamondbacks. And with two outs, looking to, to, to win it in walk-off fashion. Solo home run uh, for Hilliard for the Rockies to tie up that game. Spence, we'll move on to NFL football and the draft coming up right around the corner. Huge news in the NFL over the weekend as Sam Darnold on the move. The Jets trade Sam Darnold to the Carolina Panthers. Uh, they get three draft picks in return for Darnold. Darnold is looking to be the guy now in Carolina. Matt Rule had them playing decent football under Teddy Bridgewater, but it looked like after one year of the Teddy Bridgewater experience, they decided that that wasn't really going to be the guy we were going to have leading the franchise moving forward. Teddy's still under contract, but it looks like making this trade for Sam Darnold. Darnold is going to be the guy in Carolina, and it kind of cements now uh, the Jets. It, it, it looks almost for certain now that they're going to be taking Zach Wilson or a, a quarterback of their liking at number two. Um, do you feel like – that the Carolina Panthers gave up too much to get Sam Darnold. I mean, this late in the game, Spence, uh, there may be not a, a lot of suitors for Darnold that you would have thought at this point, but the Panthers wanted him and they got him. Yeah, so I think the onus of this trade actually belongs to the Bears and the Steelers, who kind of are desperate for a quarterback, nor are they in a position to acquire one unless they give up you know, a, a boatload of assets, which didn't seem like any other team was – you know, they were willing to do, you know, it's just strange because the bears were what two weeks ago, willing to give up multi, like more than three first round picks for Russell Wilson, but you're not going to give up a second for a potential franchise quarterback. And for the Steelers, if you can find a way maybe to trade Ben Roethlisberger there, and that would give the jets the ability to, there's either two options. You draft a quarterback and you play behind Ben and he learns for a year or B, Ben Roethlisberger is so upset about the trade that he retires and you're off the hook for $16 million, which he's making this year. Kind of seems like the, per, the picture-perfect situation for them, a great way for the Steelers' transition because I guess that they're, they're just rolling, you know, they're planning on just having Ben Roethlisberger be their quarterback for another year. And I think you and I both agree that that's probably not the smartest decision for them if it wasn't to already f to force them out anyways. And they already had that conversation. And for the Panthers, I mean – it kind of depends on how you view quarterback talent in this draft because either they trade up or they sit down, they sit and wait. And I had them in my mock draft taking Trey Lance at the ninth position. Some people have this guy as the second best quarterback in the league. And I'll just quickly tell you that I think that is just hoo-ha. And I don't know what is going on with social media and the NFL network and ESPN this year about hyping these quarterbacks, especially Mac Jones, who, it will never take be taken third overall. If you look at the tape, I mean, the guy's just not there. For Trey Lance, he played at a Division II school. He only he didn't even play but one game this season. Talking about a quarterback who's played 13 games against talent that was always inferior to him. A guy who looked at his first option as pretty much the only option because, well, that guy was always open because they have better players than who they're playing. 
and someone who looked to take run the ball way too much. His running style is actually more akin to a running back than it is a receiver when he does take off, something you would never want to see because Cam Newton was a lot like that too, and it has cost him his career at this point. So I, I think the Panthers have to be ecstatic about this trade. I mean, you're talking about a Derek Carr level uh, acquisition. The Raiders spent the second round pick, and I would say he's around that level or can get to the level of Derek Carr. And I know I, I always bash him, but he's over. You know, he's 15 and above. I'd rather like. There's a very short list of guys who, or maybe not short, but a fairly short list of people who I would take over Sam Darnold if you factor in age and skill at this point in their career. I tend to agree with you, Spence. And the Panthers didn't have to give up any of their top picks. They're still picking in the top 10, number eight overall. And where do they go here? There should be some guys available. Devontae Smith, the Heisman Trophy winning receiver from Alabama. There should be a couple of really good offensive linemen there. Uh, so if you're the Panthers, now that you have Darnold, um, he's, he's got DJ Moore to throw to. I can't really think of any other superstars uh, that he's got on the outside, I know there's a couple guys there in Carolina that, that can make plays, some young, talented guys. But where do you go if you're the Panthers? Do you solidify that offensive line, or do you go skill position to put more pieces around Donald? So I'm, I'm actually looking at my mock draft right now uh, just to see who would be available. I personally think Devontae Smith and uh, Jamar Chase are going to be taken before the Panthers make their selection. I think the Lions are going to be desperate enough. And uh, I also think the Dolphins will also want to give weapons to their young guys. There are a couple of offensive linemen. You could go uh, defensive back here. Uh, the defensive back from – sorry, let me find his name just real quick. Uh, Patrick uh, Certain Certain the second. Uh, I kind of had him falling later just because of how heavy the quarterback is. He's the best corner in the draft. He's nowhere near the talent of um, who was drafted last year from Ohio State. And, you know, I would say just overall he probably would have – gone maybe third off the board last year but at the same time corners are very hard to come from he's very good in press coverage with his hands and I think this is a guy who can actually excel on zones from the outside maybe not in the inside he has a very hard time against slot receivers and tight ends and like I said I don't think he's the best cornerback prospect to come out forever uh, but you know they had they were one of the worst defensive teams in the league last year Maybe they want to be smart about it and go offensive line because we saw what happened to Joe Burrow last year where you think you can kind of just make shift the line for your young quarterback, and they probably just shortened his career a few years because of it. They won't want to do that because of Sam Darnold. They also won't want to keep him off on the wrong foot. I can't even think of his name now, which is really sad, uh, but I think he may have played for the Jets, and then he kind of bounced around the league. He was traded to Arizona, and now he's like kind of on his way out. What position? It was a quarterback. I, I can't remember. You're not thinking Mark Sanchez, are you, or Geno Smith? No, he was kind of newer. I mean, he kind of, his career just kind of recently ended after getting drafted in the first round. Um, By the Jets, huh? I don't know if it was the Jets. I'm thinking it's not. But I know he played for the Cardinals recently. Anyway. Uh, Josh Rosen. Yes, exactly. You don't want him to become another Josh Rosen where he just gets put in these failed positions so often to where he just ends up losing all the confidence in his ability to play. And, you know, effectively, that's it. Uh, very much like David Carr. I'm not saying they were in the top half, actually, last year in sacks. So they probably won't go there. If Devontae Smith or Jamal Chase falls to him, there's no choice there. They would, of course, take him. Yeah, I agree. I don't think Jamal Chase falls to eight. But, look, the Panthers and Matt Rule drafted all defense last year. So I would think that they would want to go offense with that top ten pick. As much offensive talent as there is in this draft, and to give somebody that Sam Darnold can work with, whether that's a top offensive lineman or 
one of these guys at the skill position. I think that's the route to go, especially since you went so defensive heavy. And Matt Rule's going to go defense in this draft too. I just don't know that you go defense in the top eight being so many good offensive talents in this draft. We'll see. Maybe the Panthers move up. Maybe they move back. Uh, I know Kyle Pitts, we talked about him earlier. He, Him, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith are, are going to be three fantastic, talented players, in my opinion, in this draft. Uh, some sad news involving uh, a guy that was a first-round draft pick last year. You mentioned cornerbacks, Spence. The Vikings' former first-round pick of last season, Jeff Gladney from TCU, uh, in big trouble, turns himself in Whoa. on domestic felony assault charges, Spence. Wow. And this looks like some serious issues here for the Vikings former first round pick nobody really saw this coming that I know of but I, I know it's a, a really really big deal um, he turned himself into police in Dallas County Jail on Monday following a family violence assault charge according to the Dallas Police Department police said the charges stem from an incident on Friday when gladly when Gladney allegedly assaulted a 22 year old woman believed to be his girlfriend or fiance uh, the Vikings said we're aware of Jeff's arrest and gathering additional information, the Vikings said in a statement Monday, we take this matter very seriously as the reported allegations are extremely disturbing. At this time, we will have no further comment. Gladney, a first-round pick from TCU, started 15 games for the Vikings last season. Not good news uh, for the Vikings, not the way that a player wants to be in the media's second year. And I wouldn't be surprised if Gladney loses his job over this. This is some serious stuff. Uh, the Vikings brought in Patrick Peterson. They signed Safety Xavier Woods. They still have Cameron Dantzler, who's a, an important draft pick from last year. I don't know the health of Mike Hughes, former first-round pick from UCF, but but not good news for Jeff Gladney, not good news for the Vikings. And Look, luckily the Vikings aren't my team anymore, Spence, because I've uh, they've been dead to me now for almost a year, and they continue to, to fall into misery with this more BS in the news, stuff that you don't want attached to your team. So there you have it uh, from Vikings Nation. Over in Minnesota, Jeff Gladney could be out of a job, and the Vikings may waste another first-round pick if it, if it comes to fruition that this guy's going to miss a significant amount of time and possibly lose his job as a Viking. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, go ahead, Spence. I'll, I'll also say that it's bound to happen like every other class, or it almost seems like more and more now. Uh, Rolando McClain for the Raiders back uh, in the mid-2000s, who was a first-round pick, had the talent of a uh, pro bowler at least. I I would like to say he would have been an all pro one day. I think he was that good and athletic at the middle linebacker position. Uh, but he actually got caught for insurance fraud. He tried to burn down his house for money. I don't really know where that came from, but yeah. he had a lot of problems. And sometimes the fame and money just gets to guys. And, you know, there's lots of cases and scenarios. Uh, I actually don't think it, he'll be out of job forever, even if he is cut by the Vikings. Because as we all know, the only price you pay for, you know, abuse or, whatever the case may be for horrendous crimes that you commit in the NFL is just changing jerseys. That's Spencer the Wiz. Follow him on Twitter at Spencer the Wiz. Spence NFL draft. As we continue, we've talked about the Niners moving up to the third spot in the draft, taking a trade from the Miami Dolphins and Miami Dolphins moving back to 12, then moving back up to six. Spence, the Twitter universe is still trying to feed down our throats that Mac Jones is going to be the guy at number three. Um, local radio personality, Mitch Moss put out a tweet, uh, in quotations. I don't know if he heard this from somebody or it was quoting somebody else, but a former 49ers employee said it's 95% certain that the 49ers take Mac Jones. Uh, I'm still telling you, Spence, I'm not buying it. Uh, I don't care what percentage this former employee said. No, it's not happening. 
I, I can't see it happening. I it, logically it doesn't make any sense, Spencer. The Wiz that you're going to move up to three to take Mac Jones. So just logically think of people that could be in the market for a top tier quarterback and where they're drafting and where they would have to move up to get a Mac Jones. Just do that math itself. You talk about the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos are now run by George Patton, who is a former assistant general manager to the Minnesota Vikings. So you're going to you're going to take a guy like Mac Jones who could be comparable to Kirk Cousins. That's not the NFL we live in, a guy that's that's not mobile. I don't think you move up to three to get a guy like that, Spence. I just don't – that's not the NFL. When you have a Trevor Lawrence, who's a dual-threat quarterback, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, both dual-threat quarterbacks. I know Mac Jones' resume and being a national championship at Alabama is quite impressive. Nick Saban, head coach at Alabama, was on the Dan Patrick Show today and asked if Kyle Shanahan or any anybody else from the 49ers asked any questions about Mac Jones. He said no. Now, he didn't know if it was allowed that they were able to converse, but I think this is an ultimate smokescreen. I don't think you move up to the top three of a guy that was never projected to go in the top five at all. Why is there desperation unless the the 49ers are getting completely bamboozled, Spence, to believe that somebody else was dying to have Mac Jones in the top three that they had to move up? I think this is all hogwash, and I think we'll see it on draft day that the Niners do not go Mac Jones at three regardless of all this BS on Twitter. Yeah, so I'll tell you a little bit about my scouting report. I'm pretty much done with the top 10, or I guess I should say I am. Uh, And the reality situation is, of course, he's not mobile. He did have 77% completion percentage last year, uh, but that's because of Alabama's offense more than anything. Besides having uh, a running back that's going to go in the first round and two receivers, one of them will be in the top 10, I think, in Devontae Smith at some point. So he had a lot of help. Now, was he horrible? Of course not. But the reality is he was too comfortable at times. He doesn't have the anticipation. Like for Trevor Lawrence, he's able to read body language and understand defensive coverages. You're not getting that out of Mac Jones. So right there, I think that eliminates him from the top three contention. If you're drafting a quarterback, that it's because you think that they have those skills to directly go into the NFL because you have to have predictability and have to understand, you know, zone schemes and your reads and be able to go through them. A lot of times he got stuck on the first guy. A lot of times he depended so much on the first guy being open that he just didn't even look for the shorter pass, the check down that may have been there. So these are the kinds of things that really worry you. Now, it, will he? should he have been taken in the first round in general? I say yes. I thought he was going to fall, you know, way back, maybe in the 10s or 15s. And uh, I think he'll now fall to ninth. I don't think – I think the hype will take him to a certain level, but not that far. The only other, I mean, I think the 49ers will probably go quarterback as I've, I've kind of been convincing myself now. Uh, but if they were going to trade someone who wasn't a quarterback, because I don't think it's guaranteed, is Panay Sewell. Because I truly do, in my opinion, believe that he's a generational offensive talent. So if you think you're drafting a Hall of Fame offensive lineman that can pretty much play in any position, I would be willing to trade three first-round picks for that guy. Don't be surprised if Panay Sewell is called third overall. Here's, here's the thing, Spence. Um, I I completely disagree with trading all of that and drafting Mac Jones third. I will say this. I have so much respect for John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. I think Kyle Shanahan is one of the most creative offensive play callers in, in the entire game. And even though I would not back this decision, I think that the 49ers as a whole and their roster can cover up some of the deficiencies. And I still think they can have some success. Uh, I do not think in the first three to five years the 49ers will appear in a Super Bowl with Mac Jones as their quarterback if that's who they take. 
Uh, I don't think that's going to, I don't think that's who they're taking. Um, I think Jimmy Garoppolo and a healthy 49ers team can get you back with, with that healthy defense and some of the young talent. I think they can get you back competing to be in that NFC title game. We'll have to see what happens. They gave up quite a bit to move up to number three. I'm very curious who that's going to be. I just cannot wrap my mind around that it's going to be Mac Jones that they take it three. What are you getting back in return for Jimmy G? Uh, Clearly, the offers have not been good enough at this point. The Niners are throwing out there that they're not going to trade him, but we don't know. We probably don't believe that. There's a lot of talent spent in the top five, and I just don't know that you move all the way up to three for Mac Jones, and I'm not buying into it. So we'll see. Maybe I have egg in my face come draft day, but I'm saying, no, it's not happening. I'm willing to stand out on a limb. I've even considered going very strongly uh, with my hate towards it, but I'm not going to because it's not fair to Mac Jones. I don't think he's a terrible player at all. He's a national champion. I think he's got an opportunity to be a fine quarterback, just not a top three quarterback. And I have a lot of respect and admiration for Kyle Shanahan, the head coach of the San Francisco 49ers. I think whoever's plugged into that role at the quarterback position, if the other pieces around him are healthy offensively and defensively, I think this team can compete for that division once again. So Spence, as we're going to finish up the show tonight, we'll hit some pop culture news and and rapper who was very popular in the 2000s, DMX, uh, reportedly in a vegetative state. Uh, According to the New York Times, DMX on life support following a heart attack and uh, years and years of abuse with drugs and alcohol. Spence, before we brought up this story, were, were you familiar with rapper DMX? I'm not actually. I have no idea. <laughs> I, I can. I thought that that might be a consideration. Yeah, he's. Uh, it's back towards my day, uh, and I hate to be harsh on uh, DMX and his family and and whoever. But man, I mean, look, tons of years of abuse to your body, and um, you know, it's th- this is what happens when you do that to your. I mean, it's not to say this is what happens, but it, it can't be a surprise when you. Uh, have done so much damage to yourself that you've put yourself in a disadvantageous situation probably too early in life. Like you say, here on the graphic, Spence, 50 years old. Um, DMX most notably known for being a part of the Rough Riders group and and the rap uh, group in the late late 90s, early 2000s. Um, Do you have any music to play, Spence? A a little uh, five-second sound click from DMX, the Rough Riders anthem maybe. Uh, hopefully, you know, of course, thoughts with DMX was very popular in my day. Not, not a good situation to be in, but of course was trending on Twitter and in the news, um, the DMX is on life support. There was some reports that he was coming out of it, but you know, as Spence had put here, still probably in a vegetative state may never be the same again. Yeah, it's, it's, it's obviously sad and I'll play it just a little bit of his music. Hopefully he doesn't get us a <laughs> shadow band or anything like that, but. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's too much highlight, Spence. There's not enough music in there. <laughs> yeah, hold on. There we go. I'll skip ahead a little bit. <laughs> it's so funny. Actually, this reminds me of like 2000. You just, you know, childhood. These, this, this kind of song reminds me of playing like NFL Street and everything and. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just the reality of the situation. I think we saw that even uh, a little bit with, like, Carrie Fisher when you have the life of abuse, and it's just not going to last forever, and it just makes you realize how precious life is, you know, and it, it gets caught up for us everywhere. It, it eventually will get all us caught up our bad habits. Yeah, Spence, are you familiar with that song? It sounds really familiar. I'm sure I know some of his songs. I'm just not familiar with the artist-wise. I, 
I listen to a lot of um, really old music. Like I, I'm obsessed with stuff that happened well before my lifetime. So this, I, I'm sure I know a bunch of these songs. All right, Spence. Well, we'll wrap up the show. We'll, we'll leave DMX. We can leave oh. them playing as we <laughs> okay. leave them playing as we uh, exit out tonight. I want to thank Spencer Ostrovsky. Follow him on Twitter at Spencer the Wiz. I'm Brad Restituto. You can follow me on Twitter at Brad the Believer. Uh, we come to you every Tuesday and Thursday, nine to ten o'clock Pacific time. If you missed any of the show live. Check out any of the podcast audio versions of the show, uh, LandryFootball.com, at Landry Football Conference Call for any of the podcasting issues. So for Spencer the Wiz, I'm Brad Restituto. We'll see you back on Tuesday, 9 o'clock. Have a great night, everyone. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.